So we're going to open up our Bibles this morning to Proverbs, of course, Proverbs, and we're going to start out in the... In chapter 16 this morning. Of course, we've been going through the book of Proverbs over this last month, over through this month. I hope that you have kind of challenged yourself as we have challenged you to try to read your proverb a day. I want to encourage you as we are here uh, on the last you know week or so of, of the book of Proverbs and in the month of May, that even if you've been behind, skipped a day, missed a week, uh, whatever the case may be, I hope today that you will dig into Proverbs chapter 22 and read that chapter today and then tomorrow and so on through the rest of the month. That's what's good about Proverbs. You pick up on that day. And so uh, it's a real good encouragement and a time that we can kind of look through and see the wisdom that Solomon is uh, and God mainly is trying to show us through this book. Some very practical living uh, that we can have uh, in our, for our everyday lives. And so that's what I really want us to focus in on this morning as we look uh, in the book of Proverbs. Brother Jake gave me an assignment. He said that I had to stay between chapters 16 through 22. So I'm going to do my best this morning. He's laughing, but uh, chapters 16 through 22. So we're going to expound upon every single verse through those chapters this morning. And uh, we'll be out uh, by this evening, I guess. But anyway, but we're going to look at this morning at through and kind of kind of cherry pick a little bit and kind of go through and pick out a, and highlight a few things when it pertains uh, for that. What how it, on the points that I'm wanting to make this morning, uh, the title that I have for us is really kind of talking about just people skills. You know, uh, a lot of times we have and, and I think when you look at the book of Proverbs, you see that it deals with our everyday life. It deals with us, with relationships. Uh, and if you're like me, that is the, one of the most important things that I struggle with. Uh, the, one of the most important things that we have in our life is relationships that we have, not only with ourselves, but our relationship, our, uh, you know, as we deal with ourselves, but also our relationship to God, our relationship uh, to our family, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our children, uh, our loved ones that are there around us, also with others, talking about friends and talking about neighbors and talking about uh, people on the outside, as far as people that are just strangers to you. Um, and so, as we're gonna, this morning, we're going to look at those uh, different groups uh, this morning. And I kind of have it separated into three different sections. Number one that we're going to look at when we talk about people skills that God is talking about here is number one, our relationship with God talking about you. Okay. You, that's what we'll focus on. And so, and then the second one is going to be when we deal with talking about people skills is with our family. Okay. So we'll highlight those verses dealing with our family. And then the third thing that we'll look at is, as I was saying just a second ago, is going to be others. And so, um, for me, the way I was highlighting it in my Bible I didn't, I didn't use the Y as far as Y-O-U. I used U uh, in abbreviation to the Y-O-U. And so it kind of spelled out U-F-O if you're taking notes this morning. As far as you, family, and others. Okay, so make it a little easier for us this morning. Um, and so as we look at, cha- I don't know why that, that just came to my mind. But anyway, as, as we're looking through these, I want us to, hi- uh, we're going to highlight uh, going through this chapter, these chapters, okay? So let's look at chapter 16, and uh, we're going to start out actually at verse 2 this morning in, in chapter 16. We're going to deal with ourselves and how God is instructing us of 
what the kind of people that we should be. Okay, so as we look at this, hopefully you're turning in your Bibles. Also, maybe if you don't have your Bibles, maybe on your phone or whatever the case is. Uh, but I want you to be able to see and understand these scriptures. In verse 2 of chapter 16, as we're dealing with ourselves, it says, All the ways of a man, he's talking about mankind, of course, are pure in his own eyes. Okay, in our own ways, in our own eyes, we, we think these things are right. But he says, finishing off in verse 2, But the Lord weighs the spirits. The Lord test test it and see what our true intentions are because for us we think that our way is right our way is the way it should be that's what our that's what we know that's what we see that's what we can understand we need to always be reminded that our human view of things are very short uh, sighted okay meaning that we can't see into the future we don't know what's coming down the road just one instance one one phone call one text message nowadays uh, one situation can change so much in our life just yesterday uh, a, a young girl losing her life I mean, wouldn't no one would have ever thought of that kind of situation we don't know what the future holds and so it's important to know as the old saying says of who holds the future and so for us, those ways may seem right. And as we go about doing things, it's important that the Lord is the one that looks inside of us to know what our true and pure motive is. When you work in the industry that I work in, people, and you see it more there, that people always come with a different motive or, uh, you know, or, or, uh, ulterior, ulterior motive. I can't speak this morning. But, uh, uh, and so you always try to figure out what kind of angle are they really coming at when they're talking to you. And so for us, the Lord knows what our true, real intentions are when we're talking about even helping people. We were having a discussion yesterday in our home as far as uh, uh, people doing things for other people. And sometimes you want to do things for other people just for the thank you in return. But then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. The Lord knows those inner deep thoughts that we have even though we think we're right and they're pure, the Lord is the one that weighs those. Continuing on and looking at ourselves, it says, commit your works to the Lord and he and your thoughts will be established. Boy, could, if we could control our thoughts this morning, we'd be in a lot better shape than we are today, right? I mean, the rest of our day, if we could really capture our thoughts and really hold them in check, we'd be better people for it, but the Lord said the the Bible tells us here in verse three. It says, "Commit your works to the Lord." As we are working and doing these things unto the Lord, and we look to Him for direction, and look at it in that first part of verse three. It says, "Commit your works to the Lord." Think about it as a job, as a profession. As you have had someone over you, you look for their direction. What are you wanting me to accomplish? And I'll do that work. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll follow under that instruction and I'll do that kind of work for you. And that's what he's, that's how we need to look to the Lord. And he says, I'm going to commit to do whatever the Lord tells me to do. And that is where I'm going to put my effort and my strength and my work in. And he says, when you do those things then the Lord will have the right thoughts, he will establish your right thoughts in your, in your heart and your mind. Continuing on, let's look at verse nine. He says, for the man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his, his steps. The man's heart plans his way. Now, the, the, the scripture tells us that it's important for us as we're making these plans that we commit these things to the Lord 
And when we do those things, the Lord will lead us and guide us. And that's what he's telling us here in verse 9. He says, the Lord is the one that directs a man's steps. There's things that happen in my life each and every day that I'm, I sit there and wonder and think, you know, why am I going this? This really doesn't make any sense. And, you know, how many situations have you looked back? Because history can really be an advantage to us is to be able to look back and see what the Lord was really up to whenever he had you go down that road. If it wouldn't have been for that road, you wouldn't have known what to do. The best example of this, is, of course, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, I think, would be Joseph. When Joseph, I mean, why is he going to be going down this road in a place of hatred, in a place of betrayal, but also in a place where he is separated from his family and he is and he goes and he's just finds himself getting deeper and deeper into a hole for no reason whatsoever as far as what he was doing. It wasn't punishment of his sins. It was because God was setting him up to be in a position to be in that kind of power whenever uh, for, for him to be placed there in the nation and the kingdom of Egypt so that he could have that kind of authority for God's people. God had it for an appointed time. And we don't know how those things will play out sometimes in our life. That's why it's important, just like Joshua did, is to, uh, not Joshua, for Joseph, is to trust the Lord. Even when you, don't tr- when you don't see the hand of God, you don't understand what God is doing, but you can always trust the heart of God. You can always go to Him. And that's what he's telling us right here in this verse, in verse 9. Continuing on, look at verse 16. In chapter 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? Now, when we're short-sighted and we, are, we know what is uh, the real motivating factor of pretty much everything that goes on in, in our everyday life and in our nation and in our world, it's the dollar you know, for us. It, it, it is uh, financial situations. So for us and for the Bible to make this kind of statement uh, is, is really something it's important for us to take in wisdom and knowledge and in godly understanding because it's hard to grasp. You know, a lot of my problems can go away with the right amount of money, right? You know, but the Bible says when you really truly understand, when you truly understand godly wisdom, that it is better uh, to have that than it is to have gold in verse 16. And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. To really have God's wisdom to not understand what he's up to, what he's doing. Because he can let us know what's going on down the road. He can lead us and guide us, give us a snapshot of what he's up to. And to have a true understanding when everybody else is seeing chaos and everybody else is seeing danger signs up ahead. We understand that God is in control and God is the one that is still at work and he is the one that we can trust. Verse 18 says pride. Talking about ourselves still. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. You know, the Bible speaks about pride so much. So much. God, uh, the Bible speaks about pride. Even when it comes to the very... The most important decision that we'll ever make is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ with our life. The only reason a person would not is for the pride. The pride to think that they know better. The pride that I can do it on my own. The pride of life 
leads to destruction, the Bible tells us. And so for us, if we in a place of being prideful and being just in a place that I have done these things, I have accomplished these things, the Bible says pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before the fall. And so for us to be proud in a way of thinking that it's our own ability and our good works that really make us something and please the Lord, that's where we fall short. The Bible says that it is the stench in the nostrils of, of the holy God in our own works, and our own effort. It's a sweet smelling aroma whenever we're really doing the things that God wants us to do in the purity of those things. The Bible speaks so much about pride. If you think about even in the Old Testament when it talks about the days of unleavened bread and the days of leavened bread. And when he was talking about that, he was talking about being able to put that flour in that bread. And, that, and it was a sign. God would show them that. And the whole reason that they're even talking about leavened bread and unleavened bread in the Old Testament was the fact of what does yeast do when, it's, when it rises, right? It's puffed up and it's just like pride. Pride will puff you up. It will make you proud. And when that happens, destruction comes. The Bible tells us in verse 18, continuing on, it says, in a haughty spirit, one that thinks of himself in that kind of way is uh, before a fall. And so continuing on, as we look through that in verse 32, uh, uh, right before we finish off in this chapter about us and about you, it says, uh, he who is slow to anger, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. For us, he's challenging us, I believe here in verse 32, for us to have self-control. You know, to be the person that just flies off the handle, the, be the person. And I see husbands and, and wives right now having discussions and pointing at each other and all kind of different things. And Lisa's pointing at me. But anyway, I'm just joking. Uh, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And it's important for us. It's important for us to be of those kind of people who are in a place of self-control. There's no way for us. To be to discipline ourselves enough on our own to have this kind of self-control. The Lord, when you look at him as an example, when so many things came against him and he wasn't a person that was just automatically mild mannered. You, you remember when you, you remember when he walks in the temple and he sees them doing ungodly things and really perverting and twisting of what God had set up as far as them coming into the temple and sacrificing. They had made it to a place where they were making money off of those sacrifices and off of people who were traveling from a far distance. And so they had made the house of God no longer a house of prayer. But he said a place of a den of thieves is what he is what he called it. So when he goes in and he has this righteous indignation as he's turning over these tables and he's saying this is what you have done. And he says this has no place here. The Lord, there was times where it was important for him to use that kind of emotion and that kind of saying that enough is enough. It was important for him to show that. And there's times where we have to show that kind of emotion and that kind of uh, a level of, uh, of, of attention and, and, and being in a, in a hurried position. Okay? But in this situation here, he's telling us in most cases, it's important for us not to rush to this place of anger and of wrath that we so easily do. When somebody does something against us, our first instinct is to strike them back. 
You know, all we got to do is take a trip to the nursery this morning and see, you take my toy, I'm ready to take yours back. And if you are in a place where you have it too far, I'm ready to hit you for it, right? For you to drop it and me for, for me to get my toy. It's in our nature. That's the way we react. That's, that's who we are. And so it's tell, he's telling us here, it is important for us not to be children. It's important for us to grow in maturity. And so as we see ourselves growing, he says, even stronger than one that is mighty, one that could even take a city and have that kind of power and that kind of rule to be able to go in and conquer a city. He says, that's, it's greater for you to be able to be a person that is under self-control. That is to be able to control your anger, be slow to anger. And so it tells us here, continuing on, let's go in chapter 17, verse 22. It says, a merry heart does good it's like medicine and a broken spirit dries the bones he's saying whenever we're just sour and, and we're rough and we're mean my family's looking at me right now i i, I feel that that's just me on my own conviction right it's just in a place of uh, of that you know what you should have a merry heart there should be something unique about us when people are around us they're happy to be around us we should be able to bring this level of, of joy and happiness because of the spirit of God living inside of us. He said it's like taking medicine that is good for us whenever we bring that kind of spirit into other people's lives. And he says the opposite of that. You've seen people who have, it's, it's not, I mean, we have seen it in people. When you see people, you know, sometimes when you look at, uh, people that are your age, next month I'll be 42. And I've seen people around the age of 40 and I'm just like, do I look that old? And then there's some people like, you know what? I, I hope I'll continue to look that good at 50. I saw a man uh, last week, he was 88 years old. He literally could have passed for 20 years younger. And you know what? The, uh, the Bible tells us and, and we see it and science tells us that when you have a rough life and you have different things and situations that you're just really putting on yourself, you can see yourself age even physically. And the Bible's telling us even here, it says a merry heart will do good like medicine. It will help your body. It will, it will uh, rejuvenate your body. He says, but a broken spirit will really dry your bones. It will really age you because of this. Continuing on, let's look at verse 27. He who has knowledge spares his words. It's interesting in these two, uh, these two verses. And a man of understanding of a calm spirit. He says, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. He's saying sometimes we're just flying off the handle and just saying things. And even the person who's a fool that doesn't say anything, people will look at him and say, you know what? He is, they're counting this foolish person as a wise man just for the simple fact that maybe he's just pondering. Maybe he's just thinking. Maybe he's just evaluating what's going on. He says, be careful sometimes. Spare your words of what's the things that just kind of fly out of your mouth. I feel like most of this is just speaking to me this morning. You know, I, I love to talk. Uh, I, I love to just have conversations with people. And sometimes you get caught up saying different things and you're just like, what did I really say? And if you're like me, I do have a conscience when I go home and I reevaluate all the things that I've said. I'm just like, why did I say that to that person? I'm so used to I, I remember uh, a couple years ago that uh, in, in church, I uh, 
I was telling one of the little kids that have re- I've seen them grow up now for a handful of years, and I was like, oh, you're such, a, you're such a big girl. You're such a big girl. I always say things like that to little kids. Well, now when the girl is a middle schooler, that's not a compliment, you know, to, to say, you know, in the complex that that brings. And sometimes just saying hello is, is a little bit better. How are you doing today? Versus saying too many words. And so for us, it's important for when we speak, that we speak with knowledge. We, we're a man of understanding, of a calm spirit, he tells us in verse 20, 27. That it's important for us to know when to speak and when not to speak. Continuing on uh, through this is talking about just as far as us and, and ourselves and the, play, and the person of you on our people skills of how we should handle these things and how we should deal with the Lord in verse 10 of chapter 18. Skipping on over, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, we kind of been, Lisa and I have kind of been challenging our older kids to read through Proverbs uh, together daily. And uh, it really brings joy to me whenever they beat me to the punch. And through our text message, they'll say, We're, I'm done. And I've read chapter 22. No one has done that this morning. We, we've been hustling and bustling, I guess, to get here. But done. We've read it. A couple of times we've asked them, what did that chapter, what did you get? Name one thing that you got from that chapter. And this one came up, uh, I guess it was on the 18th, that this one came up this past week whenever we talked about uh, the righteous run into it and they are safe, that strong tower. And it was another verse as well that we referred to as far as a, a place of refuge. And when we look at it like this, it says the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run, run to it and are safe. Again, going back to the Old Testament, I'm reminded there was, a, there was three places, if my memory serves me correct. There was three places that were a place of refuge. There was the entire tribe, the, the nation of Israel. And, of course, they were, it was divided up into 12 different nations. Okay, in, in a tri, a 12 different tribes for the nation of Israel. And so the priest, they didn't have, you know, certain guidelines. The priest didn't have one of the 12, uh, the Levitical priest, the family of Levi, because they were to live among the people. Okay. Joseph's descendants, I don't want to get too much into history because uh, I'm a real nerd at this stuff. But anyway, uh, Joseph's descendants, there's no tribe of Joseph because his two sons each had a tribe. That's what took up the place of the Levitical tribe. Okay. But the Levitical priest didn't have a place, a, a place to, uh, an actual place of land because they lived among everyone else. But there was three places that, of places of refuge through, uh, scattered out throughout the nation. And when you did something or someone did something to you, you could run to that place. You can get to that place and once you got to that place of refuge... No one could mess with you. No one can touch you. And, a, and another way of, of doing this is if I went ahead and did something to a person. And let's say in self-defense uh, that, you know, I had to take the life of that person. Well, his brother hears about it. And his brother is wanting to avenge for his, for his brother's life being taken. And so he's coming after me. Well, for me, in order for, for my case to be heard of, it was in maybe self-defense or accident of some kind, I've got to get to that place of refuge. That is the only place that I'm safe until my case is heard. 
That's what the places of refuge, that's how they were set up. And so when you think about this, you think about all the situations and the, and the fears that we have. You know, because that man that is running to that place of refuge is in a place of fear. He's wanting to get there and it's up against the clock. He has to get there before that brother finds him. And, and so that is his fear. And he runs to that place of refuge. And when he gets there, the fear is just gone. You can't. The Levitical law bounds you and holds me as far as you doing something to me. It forbids you to do that. And so he would automatically lose his life if he were to break that brother, would break that law of messing with him before the case was heard in that place of refuge. It was a place of safety. It was a place of security. And he's telling us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That strong tower was representing that he is the one that's going to defend us. He is the one that's going to, going to be a place that fight our battles for us. As we were singing just a second ago, he says the righteous run to it and they are safe. That is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we're found in. That we could be tucked away in the safety and the security of the Lord. Even when we've done wrong. Because even the people who had done wrong ran to there and a place of safety until their case was heard, even if they were found guilty after that point. The, richest, the rich man's wealth is a strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. Continuing on verse 12. Before, de before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. We talked about this already. And before honor is humility. The Lord says, whenever you come humbly to me is whenever I lift you up. If you come proud to the Lord, he'll put you down so you could look up. And it's so important for us as we come to the Lord that we would do these things. Let's move on. Let's look on to chapter 19 and let's look at verse 20. Listen, it's talking about us again, talking about us between the Lord and just as far as us and our own relationships and our people skills. He says, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. When I think about some of, me, some of you in here is saying 42, wish I was, you know, to be 42 again. Sarah over there just graduating high school. She's like, you know what? Uh, God, 42, how old are you? You know, just like, God, and will I look that bad at 42? No, you won't. Okay. It's not going to be that bad. But you know what, I think when I think about being wise in the latter days, for me right now to be able to go back from to the, whether it was to the beginning of my marriage and to know what I know now, I would have saved Lisa a lot of grief, right? My kids, to be able to go back now from when they were little kids, I couldn't imagine changing diapers anymore. But to go back when they were kids, to be able to do it all over again, I would think I would do things in a better situation. But you know what? I hope, I sure hope that I'm learning. I sure hope that I'm growing wiser. Not just through experience, but also in the trusting the Lord of how to deal with these things as, even as I move forward. You know, things that I would have just been so quick to say things to or quick to react and quick to do these things, I hope now that I'm at a place where I'm just so... Uh, desperate to hear from the Lord each and every day in my life that even I've learned through experience, but as I'm moving forward, that I would even be better to avoid some of those things. 
You know, there's a lot of things that we instruct our children. You think about those things. And there's things that we were instructed as kids that we didn't listen to until we experienced them. Well, when we start experiencing them, like, oh, yeah, my, my parents, they, they, wasn't, they actually knew what they were talking about. Right? Once you get to that place, well, then now I know through experience that those things are right. Let me now walk in wisdom. Let me continue to walk in wisdom. Let's move on to verse 21. I'm running out of time. There are many plans uh, in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. There's a lot of things that, it will, that man wants to do, but that will just go by the wayside. But with the Lord's counsel and the Lord's direction, those plans can go forward. Think about that as you're making everyday plans or life plans. So let's look at chapter 20 and verse 22. Do not say, I will uh, recom- recomp- uh, recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. You are not to take that vengeance upon yourself. Wait for the Lord of how he wants you to handle a certain situation. Verse 24, a man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? The Bible tells us the way of a man leads to destruction. I've already said that. In our own eyes, we think we're doing right. And he says right here that how can a man understand his own way? That it's important for us to understand the way we should go and the, our steps of what we should be taking comes from the Lord. Every man, let's look at chapter 21, verse 2. Every, man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. That's what we started off with. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. You think about our laws, the laws that we have. Many of them, the origin of it comes. I'm talking about our regular life, uh, just stopping at a stop sign and courtesy for the other one and different things of that nature. It's being able to say, you know what? I don't just have the right of way. That person may have the right of way. Or it may be my turn. It all depends on the situation. But you know what? If I'm just going my own way, you ever been around that person, maybe that 88-year-old person that I was talking about? They're just driving. They pull out on the street. They don't know all the destruction that when they pull out on the street, that just all the devastation that they just caused. The two people had to swerve to miss them. And, uh, you know, there may be a wreck, a fire, anything, you know, all kind of crazy stuff happening behind them. And they're just driving slow down the road. Don't have a clue what just happened behind them. And so the reason I bring that up is because when we go our own way and we're just kind of in our own little zone, doing our own little thing. We seem like we're doing right. But the Lord knows our true intention. He knows what we should and should not be doing. Uh, verse 3 says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Than sacrifice. He says, you know, there's a lot of people that say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to stop doing this for your honor and for your glory. The Lord's telling us right now, he's telling us to do righteous and justice. To do what we're supposed to do and live in that place that is more acceptable to the Lord than just to be in a place of sacrifice. Let me, let me hurry up and move on. Let's look at verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. So it's important for us to do our part, prepare that horse he's talking about in the day of battle to go in, to be that one, to stand on that horse, to, to do that and also to bring you out. He says, but the deliverance, the true deliverance, it's important for us to have our preparation, but the true deliverance is of the Lord. 
Chapter 22, verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Favor. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. You know, for the Lord just to shine His light and His favor on us, I'll take that any day. And I think the more we grow in the Lord and the more we mature in the Lord, we'll take that. Don't forget who wrote this. Solomon was the wisest, was the richest, the Bible says, than we'll ever see. Have ever seen or will ever see. Uh, And so when we think about that, we also see a man, because of that, was his Achilles heel. Meaning that that's what put him in bad situations was not his wisdom, but not falling into his wisdom, but his riches in those things. And he's saying when God has his favor and his hand on you, those things are greater than riches. And so he, he tells us, you know, all of these things as far as how we should deal internally with ourselves. I don't have as many verses for family and others. So let's move on real quick, dealing with family. And when we go back uh, and, and looking at chapter 17, I want to go back a little bit. <clears throat> it's important uh, as we deal with as we deal with family to understand in chapter 17, verse six, it says children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. You know, what a testament, because I don't think you're dealing with your children just just being short-sighted of just your children. But to really develop, talking about the family here, you're developing your children to train their children. And even in the place of parenthood, I have to be reminded of this, and I try to think about this often, of how I'm training my children for their children. And so those are the blessings because if you get them to just graduation or just out of the house, that's good. But are you training them while they're in the house? When they get out of the house, they'll know how to live life. And he says that is the true test. And that is a challenge to us today as parents. That is a challenge to me. That is a challenge to us. He says that is the real glory of their father because it really starts at the father but it's really for parents he's talking about parents uh, together that it's important for us to train up our children and our children's children we may not even see our children's children but as we developing our children and I think I've nailed that point already or made that point already is the fact that it's important for us to train our children's children that is the true crown of it I'm very thankful of my grandparents because they didn't grow up going to church every day like I did. And it was later on in their life when they came to know the Lord, the same time as my parents came to know the Lord uh, later on in life. And so through that and through that decision that they made, I was able to grow up in a Christian home. And so it's important for us to, it's important for me, I've always tried to personally challenge myself as I'm leading my family am I doing taking what not necessarily doing better but building upon of what my parents had established by making sure that I wasn't just in church 
and about rules. You should be on church in church on Sunday, but it was about a relationship. Even if I'm not at church, what kind of relationship do I have with the Lord? That's what it's about. And so how am I building off on that for my children as they teach their children? Continuing on, let's look at chapter 18 and verse 9. It says, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. A person who comes in and just wreaks havoc and a person that comes in and just tears things up. He says, that is like a person who is slothful in his work. It's important for us as men, women, to make sure that we are providing for our families. And that's what he's telling us here. If we're slothful in our work, if we're in a place that we're, we're not doing our absolute best to provide for them, then he says we're being people of destruction. So certain, a couple of things as we're just kind of thinking about these relationships that I kind of wrote down, you're either going to be this morning or in your life, you're going to be either a builder or a destroyer. You know, in our relationships, are we building up those relationships between us and the Lord, us and our families, or are we being a person that is being destructive in them? Are we being a person of a being bringing a crown, or are we bringing cancer? Are we bringing crown, or are we bringing cancer in these relationships? Kind of lost my point. Not, I mean, where I was at, my place, I should say. <clears throat> Verse twenty-two of chapter eighteen says, "He who finds a wife." And I've heard it said, finds a good thing. Finds a good thing. That was a little joke. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor, as we talked about earlier, from the Lord. It's important for us, as we have, many of us in here have found our spouse, to remember that that is a blessing. That is God showing favor to you to give you your spouse. If, if you're not in that place and you're younger uh, and have, uh, don't have that relationship, it's important as we look to the Lord for that favor of God, who do you want me to have as my spouse? What, what favor that, and understand that those blessings, and that's why it's important for us to look to the Lord in these relationships, is who do you want me to have because that favor comes from you. Continuing on in verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 13, it says, A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and, a contentious, and the uh, contentions of a wife. I know a couple of guys in here just want to be jokesters. They wanted to make sure this was read this morning. No laughter this morning, just pin drop. And the contentions, uh, contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. So, and not Garen sticking his foot in his mouth. I'm going to stand, continue to stay behind the pulpit and say, what is making her be, guys, a continual dripping? You know, that's what I was thinking as I was reading this. It's like, you know what, what is maybe even causing her to be in that place to say something or to be that place of, of having to continue to say something to me? But a foolish son, the first part, is the ruin of his father and the contentions. The reason there is content, there's not peace and harmony between the husband and wife. It's important. It's important to have communication. The hardest thing that we do, I think, I think is to continue to communicate in these relationships abroad. But specifically, as we're talking about family, it's important for us to continue to communicate with one another. Even if it's tough communication, it's important to communicate. Verse 14, houses and riches 
are an inheritance from the father, from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. We already kind of discussed that a little bit. In verse 18, it says, chasten your son while, he, while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. It's important as we are teaching our kids, we're not talking about beating the snot out of them. We're talking about training them, developing them, disciplining them in a way it says where there, we understand and teach them <clears throat> that there is hope. We don't do it to bring them down. We do it to lift them up, even in a place of discipline. You know, I, when I think about this, I think about as we're trying to, to figure out things in life. And it's like going through a, a, a dark room. You don't know what's what in life. Only when the Lord gives us a little bit of light and a little bit of light. And he shines that light. We know where we're going. We know what's around us. But we are always facing obstacles in our way, right? There's always obstacles that are coming. You either, as the old saying is, you're either just coming out of a storm, fixing to go in a storm, or you're right in the middle of one. Like it's one of the three, right? I hope I said that right. I just said it quick. But when we come to something, some kind of obstacle in our life, we understand that God is not wanting us to fall flat on our face. He is wanting us to look to him to see what the situation is. And maybe, maybe we go around it. He'll take us around it. Maybe it's, it's difficult and he'll bring us just right through it or whatever. Or he'll take that situation away. But we look to him no matter what. Satan, on the other hand, when he tempts us and puts things in front of us, he wants us to fall flat on our face and make us look stupid. And as we train up our children in the same sense, he says, chasten them in a way that there's hope. And do not set their heart on his destruction. That's not why we do. That's not why we discipline in that way. Uh, chapter 19, verse 26. He who mistreats his father and, and uh, chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. We should have a place of love and, and, and uh, honor to our fathers and our mothers. He's in verse 27 says, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. It's important for us as we are teaching that it's important for us to make sure that we're giving words of knowledge and good instruction to our children. Chapter 20, verse 7, a right, the righteous man walks in his in integrity. His children are blessed after him. It's important to teach their children and for ourselves to do the right thing. Even when no one else is looking, the integrity, that is what integrity is. is when no one else is looking, you're still doing the right thing. And that is important for us to teach our children. And when that happens, blessings come because they're doing the right things. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 9. It says, better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. I go <clears throat> and I say this with the point that I made a while ago. It's kind of ha-ha on one hand. But on the other hand, it's what is causing that separation. What is causing that to be where, uh, why is she uh, uh, needing to be contentious? What am I doing? Let's make sure that relationship is working hand in hand. And he says, for us to dwell together. And the same thing here, not only you're at the house, you're on top of the housetop. And even in the same chapter in verse 19 of chapter 21, dwell the, better to dwell in the wilderness than with the contentious and angry woman. 
Again, I would say now you're not even over the, on the housetop. Now you're in the wilderness. It's better to even dwell there. That's why a lot of guys like to hunt so much, right? But anyway, <clears throat> it's important as I group these three verses that we looked at this, talking about Solomon, for whatever reason, highlighting these women. But it's important to understand that we need to be working on these relationships with each other so we're not in that place. Let's look at chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's important for us to be training them in the right way. Verse 15 of the same chapter says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. They come out that way. And as the old saying is, they get it honest. They get it honest. It's important for us to root out that selfish nature and get them focused on the Lord and train them the right way as we've also uh, as we've said continuing on in, chapter, in verse 15 the rod of correction will drive it far from them people have taken this verse to an extreme of just wanting to beat the snot out of their kids if you know and it's important for us to discipline our kids I'm not speaking against that but just beating the snot out of them and not teaching them is not going to drive it out of Teaching them and developing them is what's really going to drive, drive it out of them. That relationship that you have with them is going to go a lot further in that discipline than just discipline itself. And the last thing, and we're done. I'll go through this one a little faster, is others. Not that it's not as, as important, but as we deal with others, it's important. Chapter 18, I want to start out in verse 24. <clears throat> it says... A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The first part of verse 24, it says, A man who has friends must, <clears throat> must himself be friendly. It is important for us. You know, I think about the relationships that I have and the investment that I put in those relationships and you know, sometimes when we stop and we evaluate, it's really not fair of some of the investments that we put in that we may not get in, that we don't see the return on it. You know, but the Lord tells us it's important for us to invest in these relationships, for us to be found friendly and to be that friend that we want to be. And even if, there's a verse that I came, came, came across that I really want to speak on later at another time. But it's talking about when you're watering, you yourself are being watered. It, it, it goes beyond our science and our imagination and our thought process. Because the Lord has a way when we're pouring out that he has a way of pouring on us. Okay? It, it's only the Lord can do that. So he tells us important for us to show ourselves friendly, even if it's not them coming to us first or even us getting back it all in return. The Lord has a way of filling that gap for us. But that other part of it in verse 24 is key as well. He's talking about there is a friend. He's talking about Jesus to come. He says who sticks closer than a brother, a brother. Boy, you really got to do something if you've grown up with a good brother next to you. You really got to do something. I think about some of my lowest moments in my life of me calling my brother and telling him even places of disappointment with me 
whether towards him directly or just something that's happened in my life where I share that with him. And you know what? The brother is going to be there. The sister is going to be there. If you if you have that kind of relationship, he goes, those brothers and sisters are there for times of trouble. And he says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And of course, that friend is Jesus Christ. And now continuing on on others, let's go back to chapter 16. I wanted to start of that chapter 16, verse seven. He says, when a man's ways please the Lord about others, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Now, that's tough. I've had a lot of enemies. I've had people that do not like me. And you, you want to say, okay, what did I do and what can I do to make those things right? Because I want to be right before the Lord. And he tells us right here, he says that even when you're doing right, and it may not be immediately, he goes, but he says, even your enemies will be at peace with you. Verse, uh, chapter 16 and verse 28 says, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A whisper. What are you whispering about? <laughs> you know, what are you whispering about? It's the, it's the place of uncertainty. And our uncertain, uncertainty usually goes where? To the very negative. That place of unknown. What are they saying about me? Verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, it says, He who covers a transgression seeks love. And he who repeats a matter separates friends. If you come up to me and slap me across the face and you say, I didn't really mean to do that. <laughs> and, and I'll say, okay, no problem. You've never done it before. Then he, and you come and do it again. Then I'm starting to question. I, I think he's going to probably do it again to me one more time. I'm going to do something to prevent that from happening again, right? And he says, when that happens, he goes, love covers and seeks and covers that transgression. He says, but it repeats the matter, separates friends. Let's learn from our mistakes. A friend in, in chapter, in verse 17, a friend loves at all times. And a brother, this is what I was referring to a while ago, is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and that's what it should. He said, but a brother is there and is born for adversity. When tough times come, that you should be able to have people around you that are there for that appointed time. I hope you have those people. Chapter 18, verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Your friends around you should be people who you can trust, that they'll give you good, sound advice, and they're there for hard times. When you look around during hard times, they're the ones. And I pray as a church, let me say this right now, just a little, just a little commercial. I pray as a church, when hard times come in people's lives, or we're questioning if they're going through a hard time, that we're there. Even in just saying, I'm here, I'm praying, whatever the case is, or maybe even taking that extra mile. He says in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 17, for uh, the first one to plead his uh, cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. When we first say with this, when we hear one side of the story, that sounds pretty good. And then we hear the other side of the story and then it all kind of makes sense, especially when maybe you hear a third party and then it really starts to make sense. And so it's important for us to hear the whole matter as we're dealing with others. And we already read uh, verse 24 of, of chapter 18. And then he continues on uh, just uh, through here. I'm going to skip all the way down to chapter 22 and in verse 9. 
It says, he who has a generous eye, as we're dealing with others, will be blessed. For he gives of his bread to the poor. That's how we should be dealing with others. That we should be a generous people. A generous eye. Talking about looking for opportunities to be generous to people. He goes and gives of himself those of the people who will be blessed. And so as we conclude this morning, I gave a lot of scripture. I gave a lot of just kind of talking to us and a lot of instruction. There's so much wisdom to be gained. And what I want us to take from this, as we conclude and we'll be done, is each and every day, whether it's in our book of Proverbs as we continue on, just in your daily reading, in your daily getting up and facing the day, You may go to a job that you absolutely love. You may go to a job that it's kind of, ah, or school, whatever the case is. Or you go to a job that you absolutely hate, whatever the case is. I don't know if I said hate twice. I'm trying to think. Love and hate. Doesn't matter the situation. But that we would start on our day just saying, Lord, I want to put you first in my life today. I want to read. I want to pray. I want to think of others. I want to think about the relationships that I have. I want you to have your way in and through my life. That we would be builders in people's lives. That we, in our relationship with the Lord, we'd be building on that. Whether it was in our family as we're dealing with our children or we're dealing with our generation. Building upon what my parents did, what my grandparents did. I'm building into my children, into their children. Uh, I'm building into my, uh, in my relationship with my spouse so that I'm not wanting to get on the rooftop and she's not wanting to throw me off the rooftop or I'm not wanting to go to the wilderness. Like I'm building in those relationships because I, every day I'm just kind of looking and investing. I'm having that generous spirit towards others. I'm forgiving towards others. I'm that friend that God wants me to be. Whatever the case is, I'm being that builder, not a destroyer. I'm, being, I'm bringing a crown into someone's life, not cancer. I, wanna, I hope that we take that this morning and as we leave, we say, I want to be that person. I want to be a, a person of understanding, a person of wisdom. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, we love you. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you so much for who you are, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to just see these, these scripture just, this scripture just laid out for us. And all these verses, just so much profound truth in and through your word. And I pray, Lord God, as we go through our day to day, that you would apply this scripture to our lives. And as we go throughout our work, work week or our school week or, or our, just our daily life, Lord God, whatever the case is. Lord, I pray that we would apply scripture and you to our everyday life. You would, you would lead us in our, in our steps, Lord God. You would give us understanding. You would give us light right in front of our steps and in front of our path. You would show us favor in our lives, Lord God. Even things, there's so much that we don't deserve, as we talked about last week, just giving us breath. You continue to give to us, Lord God. And I pray that we would be forever thankful of just all your many blessings that you have for us, Lord God. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.